Wow. Well, so the janitor, better known as uh, Anthony McCall, is a great, great friend, and he, uh, he found this, uh, this note, and I don't know if it, was, if it was colored this morning or if it was colored yes, last week or whatever, but it says, I love my dad. He loves me, and then it was, then it was like, but he loves God more, and then they scratched that part out. <laughs> I love him because he will do anything for me. Isn't that beautiful? Then on the back says, God loves me, my dad loves me, he loves me, he loves me more. I always tell my kids, I loved you first. Because it's true. And I know in this room alone, we have those who who, who grew, grew up without knowing their birth father, either because he died while you were still very young or maybe your dad was only around enough to help create you, or because of a divorce or addiction, whatever. Some of you have grew up with a stepdad or an adopted dad, or maybe just a dad figure in your life. Many of you had Ward Cleaver or Steve Nichols as a dad, or not. <laughs> maybe you had Frank Costanza from uh, The Dad on Seinfeld. <laughs> maybe or hopefully your dad was never Walter White on Breaking Bad. <laughs> that would not be a good dad. Or maybe your dad was like Lou Smith from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Have any of you ever seen the clip from that show? It was a show a long time ago where Will Smith was getting ready to go on a trip with his dad, but his dad kind of failed him once again and said, hey, son, I, we can't do it this time, maybe next time. And, and Will Smith was like, fine, I don't need him in my life anyway. And he goes through this tirade, and at the end, he breaks down in tears, and he says, but why doesn't he want me? Maybe that's been your experience. There are those who, have, who are blessed to still have your dad alive, and maybe he's here with you today. Maybe he's alive, but you don't have a close relationship with your dad for one reason or another. And let me just say, if it's within your power to repair that, in the words of the great philosopher Sir Nike, just do it while you have time. Many have stood at the graveside of your father and said goodbye and wish you had one more day to say one more word. Of course, then there's the other side of this day. You're the dad or you are a dad, and here are some scenarios that you might be similar or might be familiar with. We have a few dads that have a fairly normal or have fairly normal, well-adjusted kids. A few. <laughs> if you're that dad, let me know. Uh, we have dads who have had to say a final farewell to their child on this side of heaven. And my guess is there's no greater pain that you could possibly feel. We have dads who have had to watch their kids walk away in rebellion and they're still patiently waiting and praying for them to come home. Or you're dealing with some tension maybe in your home. And you feel like maybe you're all alone and nobody understands what it is that you're going through. You could be thinking they haven't walked away yet. But there's times where you'd love to show them the door. Some dad's sitting here in the beginning stages of fatherhood. Though the diapers may stink. And so does your sleeping patterns. <laughs> The season you're in is still pretty sweet. But just wait. <laughs> that all could change <laughs> overnight. A few dads would trade anything for a chance to change those diapers and lose some sleep. But infertility has kept that from happening, at least for right now. Divorce has some of you on an every other weekend schedule. Or you might be a stepdad or an adopted dad. No matter how much you tell your kids you love them, 
or you show them that you love them, there's still this emptiness inside of them because it's just not the same. So no matter where you fit in all of that, (laughs) that's why we gave out those rocks today. I wanted you to know that God is near you, therefore you don't have to be anxious about anything. This Father's Day, may you know the peace of God that transcends all understanding, and may the Lord guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, that part's over. Now we're going to move into the sermon. We're going to talk today, we're going to cast this vision today of the purposes of the church. We've been talking the last few weeks about what's our mission What's the reason we created this church? We're a Christ-centered community. We're on this mission to create space for people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and discover the calling He has for their life. And then there's a vision for the church, a a vision for why it is that we exist and the purposes that we want to try to accomplish. And our vision for this church is to be devoted to teaching God's Word, be devoted to one another in fellowship, and be devoted to prayer. And we want to be obedient to this great commission that God has called us to, to, to share what, God has, what Jesus has taught us, to teach it to the rest of the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our, that's our vision. Well, a few weeks ago, or it's actually been a little while ago, I was asking people that have been involved in our church for, for quite a while, I said, hey, who has a story or a testimony about, about the difference this church has made in their life and how this process you're working through in your own life, in your own testimony. And so here's the thing. Today is our third anniversary as the Calling Community Church. Can I get an amen? All right. And it's been, it's been an incredible journey. I've seen lots of faces come, and unfortunately we've seen some go for one reason or another. And I'll just be honest with you, that's hard for me as a pastor to see that. Even if people just move, or, but when people leave, it's just hard. You just take it personal. There's just no way around it. But here's the thing. You're here today, and I, and I say thank you for that. There was actually a special friend of mine that's, that's here today, and she's going to share her story uh, just about the journey she's been on, and this church has been a part of her journey. And so, Angela, come on up. This is Angela Dupin. I had the opportunity while I was still at uh, Vineyard Church, I believe, as I was still there, right? I did, their, I did Jacob and Angela's wedding. And then through this connection, through this relationship, we have continued the journey together. Jacob and Angela work with the teenagers at our church. And so if you are a young person and you want to get connected to some people who have an incredible passion for, for the Lord and for young people, here they are. So... Angela, here's a microphone. All right, okay. Um, well, Brady just took the first part of my little speech, so I won't introduce myself. But um, before I get started, I have to tell you guys that I'm really nervous. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I asked Brady if I could speak. <laughs> but this is really scary for me, so just kind of bear with me. Um, and I'm probably going to cry, so also... Uh, Just be prepared for that. Um, So, kind of on the topic of anxiety, um, what I want to talk to you about today all started because I've lived my entire life um, with anxiety. Every day, I struggle with anxiety in some form. 
Um, some days it's just little passing thoughts like, what if I get in a car wreck with my daughter in the car? Or what if that text I sent is interpreted in the wrong way? I mean, it's been 45 seconds. She hasn't responded. I probably hurt her feelings. Maybe she didn't realize it was a joke. You know, normal type things. Um, but then some days, my anxiety consumes me um, where I have to make up some excuse um, as to why I can't go to work because I have too much anxiety about saying I have too much anxiety to leave my house for one reason or another. Uh, some days I win and some days my anxiety wins. <clears throat> I uh, Actually, I have a master's degree in counseling <laughs> so that I can help kids who also suffer from anxiety and have other mental health issues. Uh, but I'll be the first to admit that I do a terrible job of managing my own anxiety sometimes. Um, and my anxiety prevents me from being able to do a lot of things in my life. Uh, a large part of my anxiety is social anxiety. So that means that any type of situation that involves me talking to people I don't know or putting myself out there in any way uh, really is usually avoided. Uh, <laughs> this really is kind of funny to me because I actually really enjoy uh, getting to know other people and being around others and just talking um, in general. You can ask my husband, especially if we're talking about feelings. I talk all day. Uh, <laughs> but it's really hard for me to put myself in situations like that. Uh, yeah, so I'll just choose to stay at home because it, the anxiety is too much for me. Um, and so one of the things that my anxiety has prevented me from doing is getting baptized. Um, it's not that I don't want to be baptized, it's just that the thought of getting up in front of a bunch of people all by myself and being the center of attention had terrified me. Hello, here I am. <laughs> um, so I just told myself that, you know, just accepting Jesus as my Savior in my heart was enough, which it is, um, and this is how I rationalized not getting baptized, but Jesus calls for us to be baptized as believers. So, um, on that note, I follow several Christian accounts on Instagram. Uh, one of them is called Lord Posts. It's a really good account if you guys want to follow them. Um, and so a couple months ago, I was just, you know, scrolling through my Instagram, um, and I came across a post from them with a picture stating, it's hard to grow your faith inside your comfort zone. Hashtag go. So when I read that, I just knew, um, I don't know what it was that this was the sign from God telling me, Angela, it's time for you to get baptized. And I started immediately freaking out in my house. I like was getting anxiety like it was happening right at that minute. Um, just like right now, my heart was beating really fast, my stomach started to get a little upset, and uh, even when I told Jacob about it, I was still, like, it was like I was getting ready to get baptized right then, which is exciting, it's a really exciting thing, but it's so scary for me. Um, and so, but there was also a little voice this time saying, like, it's okay, it's time for you to go. So... The more I thought about getting baptized, the more I felt God leading me to talk about why I had put it off for so long, 
and why I had finally decided to go through with it. Uh, when I first had this thought, my anxiety immediately kicked into saying, that's dumb. No one else feels like you. No one thinks about these things or cares about these things. You'll look so stupid talking about your anxiety and people will judge you being a grown woman, having these kinds of fears. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll just, I'm not going to do that. But I could not stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I even put off like telling Brady about it. I was, I don't know, I thought maybe he might just ask me or uh, maybe Jacob would tell him for me. I was having <laughs> anxiety about that too. Um, so <laughs> anyways, uh, I just kept feeling led to speak about it and I realized that these anxious thoughts are not from God. And so today, um, today my anxiety doesn't get to be the winner. <clears throat> I get to be the winner, and we can all be winners with Jesus. Um, I know that part of the reason I finally feel ready to get baptized is because of the community we have here at The Calling. The Calling isn't just a place to attend church every week, but it's a family. Um, and no matter what, I know that there will always be this group of people who will support me because that's what a family does. And so, if you're like me and have been letting anxiety or fear or something else hold you back from uh, getting baptized, I'd like to invite you to get baptized with me because you don't have to do it alone and we can do it together. And I'm not just really talking about getting baptized here, but about life in general. We are family. Um, don't let the enemy convince you otherwise. Now is the time to step outside of your comfort zone. Thank you. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. moments like that to make it all worth it when we were planning this church one of the things that we we were required to do is to create bylaws to give us a a document that defines who we are and directs what it is that we do and so we that document it, it took a long time to create it because we wanted to make sure it said the right thing because once you put it into place it it does guide what it is that you do and we wanted to make sure that it was was from the Lord and as we were looking at who it is that we want to be and what it is that we want to accomplish as a church one of the things that I kept reading and kept noticing was was what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24 and 25 and so if you have a Bible with you today turn to Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and this is Jesus's conversation with his followers and it's called the Olivet Discourse it is a it is a the time in between Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the time that he was crucified and he rose again and and Matthew records just so much of what Jesus said and he was preparing the, the people for the great tribulation 
And so no matter what do you believe and where you've been and as far as you thinking about this, this time period of seven years of great tribulation on the earth, Jesus is saying, this is what it's going to look like. This is what's going on. This is what's going to happen until I come again. And then these are the things you need to know about until I come again. And, and one of the things that really struck my interest was the, the part in Matthew 25 where he's talking about uh, the sheep and the goats. And we'll get there in just a minute. But in the beginning of, of Matthew 24, Jesus says uh, these, these words. He tells them, he, he says he left the temple and he was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. And they said, do you see all these things that he asked? That Jesus asked them. Truly I tell you that not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And I'm sure the disciples couldn't imagine that that would actually going to be happening because the temple was this amazing structure. It was just incredible work of art and work of uh, architecture. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? And that's a question all of us can have even as, as this day rolls on and even as we go into seasons of being a father or whatever it is, we can be wondering, what is it, what's it going to look like? When is Jesus coming back? When is this going to be the end? And some of us may think, man, we're in the end times right now. Like there are people who actually think we're in the great tribulation right now. But as you read scripture, it says it's going to be worse than you can possibly imagine and he'll cut the time short because people just can't deal with it. So I don't think we're there yet, you know, but I think the time will come and Jesus will walk us through that, all of that. And then he'll say he'll come and he'll take us to be with, with him. And that, that's going to be a great and glorious day. We're not there yet, but we're here. And so let's see what God's word has to say about what's the purpose? What is it we're supposed to be doing in the meantime? And that's where this, this vision, this, this purpose we, we have as a church comes from. And it's in Matthew 25. in verse 31 where it says the sheep and the goats Matthew 25 verse 31 okay I just want you to understand this is this this is part of our part of the bylaws of our church this is the our our directive as a church when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on the glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then he goes into how he, how he determines who's gonna be one or the other. Okay, now listen. Real quick, this is not a sermon that will tell you that based on your works, that's how you get saved. Like you do these things, you're in. Okay, that's not what this is about, okay? It is about those who are saved, those who are followers of Jesus. This is what he wants you to do. This is how he wants you to live. Okay, does that make sense? I want you to be clear about that. I don't want you to think as you walk away from it, well, all I gotta do is feed the hungry and I'll be saved. So I just gotta give food to the poor. I'll give donations to people standing on the street. And if I just keep doing good things, God will let me in. Okay, that's not what it's talking about. 
I'll tell you where I stand on this, this issue. Those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Those who, who do not call on the name of the Lord, those who deny him, those who do not want anything and choose to just not believe in Jesus, those people will not be saved. Okay? That's in Scripture. That's what I believe as a pastor. As, a, as, your, as your leader, that's what I believe. The unforgivable sin is the sin of unbelief. That's it. When you choose not to believe, that's your free choice. And when it happens then you'll be separated one from another. Okay, separate sermon, another time. But listen, I'm gonna, this is, I'm gonna read this, uh, I'm gonna read, I'm not gonna read right from the Bible I have because I wanna, this is how it reads in the bylaws. Our purpose is to feed the hungry because Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. Our purpose is to give people a drink. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. To help find a place for people to rest. I was homeless and you gave me a room. To make sure people are warm, I was shivering and you gave me clothes. To go pray for and help those in need, I was sick and you stopped to visit. And to minister to those in prison, I was in prison and you came to me. Okay? Jesus says, when you do these things to the least of these, you've done them unto me. So when you actually minister to other people and you help them eat and drink and find clothing and find a place to live and you love them with the love of Jesus Jesus says you've done it unto me that's what he says and so when we see people who are in need we don't see them with our worldly eyes we see them as as Christ like Jesus with his hand out needing a piece of bread who would ever deny Jesus that well hopefully no one would ever do that but Jesus comes in the form of people that are not like us, that are different, that struggle with anxiety, that struggle with fear, that struggle with all kinds of things. And as Christians, when we see those people, it's not for us to, to ask even what's wrong with you, but it's to say, hey, what has happened to you? We're going to share, I'm going to show a video that I think will help us um, will help us understand like how we are to approach people that that God puts in our path to love and to to share the love of Jesus with. And so, this is a video from a, from this lady named Brene Brown. Anybody familiar with Brene Brown? Uh, incredible, incredible teacher, um, writer, and she they created this video. This video is called Empathy versus Sympathy. And everything that we're going to talk about for the next several weeks flows out of this idea of, of, it's not for us to be sympathetic with these people, it's for us for to sit with them and understand what it is that they're going through and how can we love them with the love of Jesus, okay? So take a look at this video. What makes something better is connection. And I think that is what God calls us to do as his hands and feet here on the earth is to connect. Not to necessarily fix. And, this, and listen, this is hard for me as a pastor. And I have been guilty over and over and over of using the phrase at least. But I've realized it's not the most effective way to minister. I mean, there, there are, it's true there are a lot of at least, but 
but when it doesn't really help, <laughs> when it doesn't help you connect with that person, there's got to be a better way. So over the next several weeks, we're going to introduce you to individuals who are connected to, to ministries right here in our community that help bring about connection, to help people be fed who are hungry, to help people get a drink. Now, we think about in America, that, that's not really a huge issue as far as thirst goes, but there are probably some other areas where we could dive into where they are, they are huge and it is affecting our country in areas like uh, human trafficking. Human trafficking is a hot button right now in our world and America is like a hub. It's really sad, the amount of trafficking that goes on right here in this, this country, right here in Kansas City, because of the major interstates. There are human beings who are being sold into slavery right under our, our noses and we don't even know it. And so we wanna bring awareness. We wanna bring awareness so that you can find opportunities to, to connect in those places. And it doesn't mean that we have to do all these things as an individual, but it might be that when you hear about one of these ministries, you make, that's my calling. That drives me, that makes my heart beat fast. There's something about it I wanna jump in. It may, may mean that you gotta get out of your comfort zone to do it. But when you go and you sit in those places, you take Jesus with you. It's called being missional. It's like you being Christ to them because we can't get them to come be with us. Does that make sense? You know, we can accomplish, and you heard me say this a lot, we can gather here and scatter out there and accomplish so much more. And so the next six weeks, we're gonna hit each one of these topics, hungry, uh, thirsty, I needed a place to rest. Uh, Hillcrest is going to come and share about their ministry. Uh, people who are, who are cold and needed clothing. People to, uh, who are sick and someone needs to stop and care for them. Justin's going to share about his, his career and what it is he does as his job, but he takes it and it's his ministry too. And then prison ministry. There are people who are, who are waiting for someone to come and to visit them. And maybe you'll be called to go. When Jesus is sharing these things with his followers and this, this discourse as he's getting ready to be crucified and, and ascend into heaven after the resurrection, he, he, it's, it's done with obviously this, this love. And listen to what Jesus tells us, his followers in John chapter 13. And this is recorded in John 13, verse 34 and 35. He says, a new command that I give you he says, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. Do you hear that? You must love one another. It's not, it's not optional. Look at the person next to you. Look around and you say, I must love this person. Well, if you're with your spouse, you're like, well, I get to love this person, <laughs> you know? Or you might think, I have to love this person. Those two words are different, you know? But as, as a community of believers, we are called, and listen to what it says in verse 35, by this, by this love that he's talking about, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
If we learn to sit, like in the video, if we learn to sit in other people's pain and try to identify own areas of our own lives where we're hurting and trying to just connect with them in some way, they will see and experience God's love. Whether you actually use words or not. And I think sometimes we're so afraid, people are so afraid, like, well, I won't know what to say, or I might say the wrong thing, or I, I don't know all the Bible, so they're not going to ask you to explain the whole Bible. <laughs> they just might ask you your story, and if you share your story just like Angela did today, about her experience, in that they will see God's love, and then the love of the, the community, the body of Christ. And maybe, just maybe, they'll, they'll begin to think, it's that that can fix what's going on in me. That, that can fix this brokenness in me. It's this love that they've experienced. The final part of this, uh, this part in our bylaws is, it says that we will also partner with other ministries in our community to be Jesus to the least of these. If a ministry doesn't exist, we will pray about creating our own outreach. There are so many great opportunities already available to us where we can, we can put our hand to their plow. But there might be some areas that we haven't touched on, might be areas in your own particular experience that you are passionate about, and, you could, and it all starts like this. You could come to me and say, hey, Brady, what if? What if? And who knows? It might be something that, that gives birth out of this community that actually starts to make the difference in one, two, a hundred, a thousand lives. But in all these areas, empathy is a must. Empathy is a must. Let's pray, and then I'm gonna give you a, um, I'm gonna give you a call to action. I'm gonna give you a simple little thing you can do as you walk away today. Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, we thank you for your unconditional love for us. Your love extends so far so wide and so deep that there is no one in this room that can escape it. Jesus showed the ultimate form of empathy when he left heaven and he came to earth to, to take on human flesh to sit with us in our pain in order to provide this perfect sacrifice so that we could all experience perfect life one day and Jesus we thank you for that we thank you for that gift thank you that you offered us yourself Lord would you encourage us today to look around inside of us and how can we offer ourselves how can we give ourselves to the rest of the world that is hurting so that they might experience the love of Jesus in us and through us it can be something so simple or it can be something that literally changes the world and everything in between. God, would you touch the hearts of your people today?
stir up something inside of us give us people to sit with to empathize with to just connect with so that they could experience the love of Jesus the way we've experienced it too let's pray for Angela God that you I pray for healing for anxiety but I pray that it would be in such a way that she is always connected to it so that she can then help others that are walking down that same road just thank you for little Lauren and her dad and thank you for this precious young lady who got up in front of everybody she was scared but she shared her gift today God would you use her to be a light in this dark world that we live in thank you for the dads that are here today that are hurting for whatever reason God would you provide healing for them in their pain Lord would you touch them just pray for dads who are still waiting to, to get that title Lord God would you fix that would you fix it sooner than later we just say we love you we thank you for the past three years God would you give us many more to be a light in this community bring people to us that we can love send us out the people so that we can love them in Jesus name amen all right so when when we're singing the practical action step today come up and take a few of these really small cards but I think they're significant because little things done with great love make huge differences there's a lady in our church that her husband had this experience someone did something kind to them and they passed on this little token saying hey go do something kind for someone else and this little card has our logo has our um, our web our website on it and on the back it says random act of kindness blessings you have received a pay it forward card this means that someone has connected or completed a good deed for you and they wish for nothing in return but to bless you all we ask that you pass on this card along with a good deed to someone else in need it can be as big or small as long as you make someone smile and it said you could return someone else's shopping cart buy someone a gift give a homeless person a food voucher help someone else in need and then when you do something nice for someone, you pass on this card so that they can pass it on to someone else. Does that make sense? Pretty easy, but you have to take one of these or a few of these. We have 250 of them. And if they were all gone today, that would be awesome. So take two or three. And then look around you this week and say, God, how can I bless someone? How can I pass on something good and bring a smile to someone's face? Okay, I'm gonna have my wife come up. She can help hand them out. Okay, we're good. Come on up. So just come and take them. Take a few. And uh, then ask the Lord, how can you use them today to make a difference in somebody's life?